We have to be ready. You, me, Martha, the other Martha, my dog Walker, Sugar Bear, Harpo, Tiny Tim. My sister's boyfriend will probably want to come. Um, l l let me think. The enemy is here. He's here? Where is he? He'll be searching for the other two boxes, hiding until he has all three, until he's ready. We have to be ready. You, me, the others. Welcome back. It's episode two of Miscarriage of Justice, the Snyder Cut, the DC Extended Universe, and the End of American Empire. Nat, I'm pretty hyped that we managed to pick a title for this show. Uh, a title that nobody can spell. <laughs> That's Mis Miscarriage, one of the stupidest, most idiotic words in the entire stupid, idiotic English language. And it's long enough that no one will ever finish typing it into a search bar. Not at so all. So we have... All but minted ourselves for success. That's we are crushing the podcast game so far. <laughs> We've got uh, legions of Zack Snyder stands that hate us, or we will soon. Yeah, um, I, I, for one, look forward to being doxxed by <laughs> Zack Snyder fans. That's that's what I'm angling for. Oh, it's good times, isn't it, folks? Um, okay, so as we promised, um, we're going to go through this interminable movie. Part by part. And uh, the first part is not actually a part. It's uh, it's not got a name. But uh, it is the opening credit sequence that is pre-part one. I've just been calling it the prologue. Yeah, prologue, opening credits, slow, grueling CGI hellscape. Yep, the cutscene. Yeah. But before we even get there, there is a very important disclaimer from HBO Max and Warner Brothers and the mind of Zack Snyder. Um, I, I have to say, I uh, I did not initially watch this on HBO Max. I uh, watched it via another source that I am not at liberty to reveal. So I didn't get the disclaimer the first time. So I didn't know what people were talking about when they were freaking out oh. about the disclaimer. Okay. So for me, the disclaimer is key and i guess at this point we, we'll just say what the disclaimer is and it opens up what's the exact quote that this film is presented and i have it somewhere in four you know 4.3 aspect ratio to preserve zach in, snyder's artistic oh, no, no. vision to preserve the integrity of the zach snyder's creative vision the integrity of his creative vision the movie is presented in a 4-3 format to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's creative vision. Not just, to, not just to preserve his vision, but the integrity thereof. And so one, I feel like he had to write that. I, I, unless he just has some absolutely sycophantic you know, yes. PA who- There may have been a toady that wrote, right. that wrote it on his behalf. But yes, it, it came out of the Snyder camp without question. There's no way that it didn't. And I, one, it's the only time in this movie that they give you the information early. Like almost everything else in this movie, they present something to you and you have no idea what it is. And then they explain <laughs> it to you 30 minutes later <laughs> after you've kind of yes. forgot about it. Yes. This is the one time where they're like, hey, we're giving you information up front. And it sort of sets a bad precedent because everything that comes after you're like, what the fuck? Why didn't they give me like an overlay? Why didn't they give me a super title about this? Yeah, why did they why did they explain to me what like what was happening? I'm so and, lost. And and really, I don't think I would have felt I wouldn't have approached this movie with like, you know, my my jeweler's glass on had that opening screen not been there. Cause once you introduce the words integrity of artistic vision, <laughs> and then you show me a four hour cut screen from PlayStation one. Like you show me basically, you know, uh, 
I think I put this in my notes. The whole movie looks like Killer Instinct. It looks like Killer Instinct for Super Nintendo. And no hate on Killer Instinct. That game rules, and I would play that game for four hours, but I don't want to just watch it be played (laughs) for four hours. And that's what I was like, oh, okay. Artistic vision? Let's do this. I'm all in. And it just... I mean, it opens itself up for such complete mockery <laughs> by, right. by starting with artistic vision. And it looks crazy on your TV screen. It looks yeah. like it's, it's being squeezed in. Like, there's never a point. Uh, there's, there's what? Maybe like three shots that are okay looking. Right. That like aren't just some dank, <laughs> some dank pit. Um, and of those three shots, I was like, ah. Oh, be nice if this filled up the whole screen but well whatever yep it looks like absolute shit um so i mean uh, you're 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 absolutely right i could not agree more with your uh thesis that once you introduce something like the integrity of your creative vision um and then again getting ahead of ourselves and then 45 minutes down the road you have two Mercedes commercials. <laughs> I mean, that's the reason that I made this icon of our, for our dumb show. It's an overlay of the, uh, it's Ben Affleck driving the Batmobile Mercedes, whatever. And it says this Mercedes commercial is presented in 4.3 to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's <laughs> creative vision. You can't, you're, you're opening yourself up, as you said. I'm just re- restating this for the, to, fill up time um you're opening yourself up to criticism when you say this is all about the integrity of your creative vision and then have an under armor spot in the two mercedes commercials (laughs) i mean it is fucking absurd it is a like long form yeah and also just the product placement and we could talk about this more in the parts where we get there the mercedes stuff is interesting because it's so discreet by discreet i mean like it happens and it's it's done it's discreet in time it's by no means discreet right right? it is it's discreet ete not eet yeah yeah like i i called up the local dealership and i was like i i want an amg right now i'm willing to go into debt i'm watching this Zack snyder movie yo let me get a batmobile yeah (laughs) just like i'll take it off the lot but the so you've got that product placement which is like there and it's done but the Under Armour thing is just like, just throughout the whole movie, you're like, is Superman's, you know, they keep alluding to Superman's going to be in a new costume. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is he going to be in an Under Armour costume? Like, that's <laughs> right. That's what you're getting at. It's beast mode. It's going yeah, like Mar- to be Marshawn <laughs> in the black Superman. That would be so fucking sick, by the way. Oh, I mean, I'd be totally into that. But it's like, yeah, is, is the S going to like form the U thing? Like, <laughs> is he going to talk about like, the, the compression oh I, I was able to come back from you know spoiler alert he's not he comes back from the dead he's like the compression really helps you know the that's getting the blood flowing again yep absolutely absurd um so yeah and uh I, i'm pretty sure you saw this but um a film that was getting some run early on in shelter in place a, a little indie darling festival thing called first cow did you happen to see this film that came out last year I didn't see it, but I'm aware of it. Uh, Kelly Reichert did it. It was good. It, it was good, not great. I didn't love it. It didn't like make my year-end list or anything. Also shot in 4.3. Kind of, you know, it was um, it was a very small, very quiet film about, you know, the American or North American frontier, frontier these two immigrants making their way. And it felt like, you know, you were looking at a Hasselblad large format 35 millimeter photo a lot of the time it was beautiful it was really well done um and Zack snyder had the fucking balls <laughs> to say that uh it's in the same this is a quote i'm quoting it's in the same aspect ratio as first cow those two movies share some common dna i think i would like i would love that in a double feature first cow and the snyder cut of justice league is that from the New York Times article? It may be. Yes, it is actually. Yes. He that that interview, I would say the ultimate 
why are you hitting yourself? Stop hitting yourself interview is a Prince Andrew (laughs) talking about why he's friends with, with Jeffrey Epstein. That's like the ultimate, why are you dunking your own head in the toilet? Do you think Zack Snyder can still sweat or not? uh, He definitely, he, he has a, what did he say? He had a, an adrenaline overdose when he was in the Falcons. In the Falklands, yeah. <laughs> and that's why he can <laughs> no longer sweat. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be that. I, I'm not sweaty. I can't sweat. Oh, man. I'm incapable of sweating. <laughs> but, and I will say, it is a distant second because, right, that Prince Andrew interview is just the, the ultimate. and The ultimate. Like, how did no one just pull the plug on this? Yo, my guy. Yeah. You're literally <laughs> like, incriminating yourself right now. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Where, just, where were his handlers? Where um, were Zach's handlers during this New York Times interview? But, but yeah, in, in a way where you're like, oh, this just makes you look like a total, you know, prat. It doesn't make you look like a sex pest that should be locked up for all time. Um, yeah, this he just can't stop like the self owns in this New York times Mm -hmm. interview and like only pauses to say things like, you know, I am somewhat of a provocateur and (laughs) I I can only imagine he said it in that voice because I love that line so much. No one would ever say I'm somewhat of a provocateur in the way that I just did. You would always say it like, you know, Willem Dafoe, like I'm somewhat of a scientist myself. (laughs) Like it, it should I'm be something bra- of a fucking idiot myself. Yeah, I'm somewhat of someone who's just been propped up by this industry who refuses to let me fail myself. Like, okay, to be fair, the quote is, and I because I've got it in my notes. Am I a provocateur? A little bit. <laughs> okay, it's I mean- even worse. He's a mother. This motherfucker is like asking himself a question and then answering it. Yeah, that this, is far it's, more offensive. It's in an interview, and he answers the question: Am I a provocateur? A little bit. But the question was not, are you a provocateur? Hey, Zach, how are you doing? Are you ready to start the interview? Am I a provocateur? I'll say a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. It's something like you can imagine. Again, I don't recommend anyone watch this movie. I'm willing to talk. You can have all the opinions you want about it. You can be a Zack Snyder fan and tell me I'm wrong. And I... You don't have to see it. I will never be like, you've never even seen it. Your opinion's not valid. Everyone's opinion on this is equally as valid as mine, <laughs> but never watch it. I do recommend you read this New York Times interview, mm-hmm. but imagine it's Matt Berry um, <laughs> in the Garth Marenghi's dark place behind the scenes. Imagine that character is giving every response. Oh my God. What was it? What was the... Gosh, I don't remember either the actor's name or the the character. The character was Sanchez. Fuck. Dr. Dr. Sanchez. You put me onto that show. I'd never even heard of it before I met you. That it's just so the audience, you can get a little treat. Watch Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. It's you can do it in an evening, right? There's like six episodes or five episodes or something. Yeah, it's like six episodes. They're all wonderful. Uh, there's a behind the scenes that is maybe even funnier than the show itself. It's, it's so friggin' good. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, anyway, back to things that are terrible. Well, I don't, um, think, I don't think we can move on from the first cow quote until I point this out. He referred to his own movie as the Snyder cut of justice league. This is in the quote. I would love that in a double feature comma first cow and the Snyder cut of justice league end quote. I, I bet he, you know, when like little kids, I don't even know. I, I've, I've got nothing. I have absolutely, it's, no, it's the same thing. I knew that he wrote that uh, opening warning, whatever, whatever it is at the beginning. Yeah. Like this is to preserve not the director's vision or the integrity, the artistic integrity of the mm-hmm. film. Zack Snyder's artistic or the artistic artistic integrity of Zack Snyder. Like I'm like, he wrote his own name. Yeah. No, this is making me, this is, this has convinced me that quote that we just read that convinced me that he wrote this and referred to himself in the third person. It's, (laughs) it's, it's also absurd, but yeah, definitely read that New York times. 
interview. It is bonkers. It is a sliver into his, you know, uh, what's that bit in the Simpsons in the, sh- the shinning episode where Marge is like, oh, maybe this will be a, a window in, into his mind, into his troubled psyche. Homie, what he's typed will be a window into his madness. Feeling fine. Wow, that's a relief. We we eventually get through the the the, the disclaimer is only on the screen for fourteen seconds, and we've talked about it for probably thirty five minutes. Already, Fifteen so. minutes. <laughs> the movie proper starts just before one minute, and uh, this is basically yeah. This is this is the most cutscene cutscene of the entire movie. We see, uh, who is it? Doomsday killing Superman, Superman killing Doomsday. Oh, it's exactly like Rocky three, right? Isn't that when they knocked each other out? Or is that Rocky two? Rocky. Oh man. I just, Rocky knocks out Apollo Creed and Apollo Creed knocks out Rocky. I'm trying to think that the end of three is when they're in the ring with each other, right? Is that the Dolph Lundgren one? Well, no, because Dolph Lundgren killed thirty years. Dolph Lundgren kills Apollo Creed. Oh, of course, yeah. And that's four, right? Where like Rocky's <laughs> gotten soft. He's got that robot butler, <laughs> right? Like, Is I, it because they couldn't afford uh, what's his face the um, uh, the penguin? Danny DeVito, <laughs> the original penguin from the Batman. Oh, TV I show. I just I just watched. Uh, <laughs> I I just watched Tim Burton's Batman too, so I, I, <laughs> I believe the I believe it's Batman. Batman, yeah. So yeah, so we see Doomsday killing Superman, Superman killing Doomsday, and I have the research that I've done for this dumb fucking show on this dumb fucking movie <laughs> helped me understand something that I did not get on first viewing at all, and that is that it's Superman's death scream. That wakes up the mother boxes. Did you have any idea that that was what happened? No. And I think I said this in the last episode. Unless you just finished Batman versus Superman. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, changed the diaper you were wearing and we're like, all right, just time, time for more torture. The opening credits scene makes like little to no sense. Yeah, I and, had no idea what was going on. It had been years since I'd watched BBS, and I'd never seen the Snyder the uh, the theatrical release. I'd only seen the theatrical release. Sorry. And yeah, so for background too, I had seen Batman versus Superman before. Granted, I think it was on a plane, and I was probably overserved and <laughs> underslept. I had also seen the theatrical cut, probably under the exact same circumstances. Um, so I like know what goes on in both of these movies. And I, I would say I retained them the, the right amount. Like they don't occupy a, a lot of space in my brain, but they, they shouldn't. The only thing I remembered about Batman versus Superman was the, was the Martha thing. Mar- yeah. Same. That's Martha. literally all I retained. But yeah. So you see Superman getting murdered. Also, it's, I've seen the opening credits now four times mm-hmm. and only this last time. I realized, oh, the first thing you see is Doomsday's spiky hand going through Superman. I had no idea that what, what we looked at at first. It's again, so fucking dark. Like everything in these fucking DC movies, you might as well be looking at a black screen at a fucking drive-in movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible it's just, to see anything. It's just dark CGI nonsense. And yeah. so it's like the first thing that we're looking at, I'm like, I don't. And there's always lightning. Zack Snyder loves Jesus lightning. Christ. It's like, okay, is this character, you know, does he also like, is one of his parents like a Tesla coil? Like, I just want lightning and sparks coming off of everything all the time. But yeah, he so loves, he loves light, lightning as much as Joss Whedon loves lens flares. Oh, seriously. Um, uh, lightning crashes should have been in either. <laughs> Batman versus Superman or this movie. There's so, and we'll get into it. So many opportunities for just like a fun wink, you know, to the audience with, with music, but there's just, 
you know, if anything, it's just him staring at you through through some blinds. Um, there but can be, there can be no fun. No. Uh, yeah. So Superman is being murdered, and he's he's screaming. You know, he's shouting because he's being stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. The sound waves from his su- super death rattle go out across the world. And that is essentially what you're seeing in the first half of the epilogue is him going, bah! <laughs> and the sound waves going across the world and waking up the mother boxes. So this is, this is an interesting thought experiment that I did. Um, I wondered, and I'm not, did you, again, did you imagine that you'd never seen the movie and then you just went about your life? I tried and I failed and I knew we were recording tonight. So, uh, <laughs> uh, no, it didn't work. It just didn't work. I wondered if this would work in a graphic novel, like in a comic book format. I kind of feel like it would because you're only dealing with 2d art and text, no sound. Mm. I feel like if you drew Superman yelling, and you drew like somehow like render, I'm not a visual thinker, so I don't know how you would do this. But if you like rendered the sound waves going across the world and wake up the mother boxes, that could have worked. I feel like there's a way that this could have worked and could have conveyed what happened um, in a way that is, you know, uh, ascertainable by the audience. But like, no, I didn't, neither time that I watched this did I understand what was going on until I read a thing that said, this is what happened. Well, part of the reason you don't, like I got that Superman was being murdered, right? Like I well, was. Well, yeah, no, it's just the the the, the switching on the mother right. boxes thing that I that lost. Well, part me. of the reason you don't know that that's happening is because you don't know what the mother boxes are. <laughs> like, why would you? It hasn't been explained to you yet what these. So, it, also the first one you see, right? The first mother box you see. Oh, and the word mother box. Ever I. <laughs> I need to put a nickel in the jar every time I say mother box. I hate it um, so much. I hate it so fucking much. And I, I have a completely unrelated but semi-funny story uh, about this that I'll, t- I'll tell later. Um, but so the first one you see is in Cyborg's apartment, right? So the first mother box is sitting in a closet. It is behind some trophies. <laughs> you can't tell what it is. You just see something kind of shake a little. So you the average viewer is like, all right, Superman's death rattle is, is super, it's super loud. Yeah. And this what we're seeing is this like rattled something in an apartment. I think it's R2D2. Remember how he would sort of bounce around when he <laughs> yeah, got yeah. agitated? It's the, it's the same. He's like uh, going back and forth. Beep, boop, you beep, know, beep, boop, beep, boop. and then C three PO finds him smoking a cigarette. Um <laughs> like then the next one. And again, this is all there's like no no explanation is it's what's happening. It's just visual. Lots of swirling camera work. Again, all very dark. Oh, and slow-mo. Don't forget slow-mo. Yeah, and slow-mo, which is so funny because there's other parts in the movie that are just like laboriously explaining to you what's happening. Mm-hmm. But not this part. You get nothing. not this part. The part that like you really at the time when you really need it and about the thing that you really need it for. It's just like no, fuck him. Nope, fuck you. Nope. <laughs> and then, um, oh, and I noticed again because I've now seen the epilogue four times. You prologue. see prologue, prologue, prologue. Sorry, prologue. Um, you see the sound waves go over the earth, and at one point, it like the sound waves move some smoke. There's fires somewhere, and the smoke gets blown out by the sound wave. So I'm like, are people just across the wor- world like feeling this? Like, are people being like woken up, right? Like this is like a small earthquake. Um, the flapping of a butterfly's wings. Yeah. So the next, the next thing you see after you see, you barely, you just see something rattle in a trophy closet. <laughs> you see Lex Luthor in Superman's ship. So he's just like, you know, chest deep in this goop (laughs) and he's in there he's looking at the character steppenwolf which is also a stupid stupid name name fucking rules dude (laughs) awesome and he's looking at this character who again you haven't seen yet um 
Oh, I guess. No, I, I have this all wrong. They had one of the mother boxes in Batman versus. Wait, no, they didn't. Oh, my! these movies are also visually indistinguishable that you I can't even tell them apart anymore. Everyone just got to listen to me. Self doubt what I've seen with my own eyes. So I was like, no, they do show you the mother box and the other one only realize that absolutely doesn't happen anyway. Um, at bro, the very all, end of all one big myth, bro, you just got to like immerse yourself in it and just let it happen at the end of Batman versus Superman. You do get a glimpse for like two seconds as Lex Luthor is being arrested. Mm-hmm. He sees Steppenwolf in front of him with three boxes, but that's as much context as you have. You're like, okay, there's a video game character in front of Lex Luthor <laughs> and he's got three boxes. This is, one of them has a mushroom in it. One of them has a flower. One of them has a friggin' gold coin. He's going <laughs> to, I'll take what's behind door number three. Please. Yeah. He, <laughs> do you want, or, or do you want what's in the box or what the lovely Let's Mr. The Smithers box. has? Open the yeah. box. One of the boxes has, uh, why can't I think of his name? Uh, from, from that movie. What's in the box? We got a box. We got a box. Call the box squad. Any of box squad. We got Who's in the box? Because I envy your normal life. Put the gun down, David. It seems that envy is my sin. Oh, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? Oh, God, Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt. It's got Brad Pitt. Got, uh, what's her face's wife's, uh, maybe what's her face's head? Yeah. (laughs) Gwyneth Paltrow's head's in the fucking box. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We got there, folks. We, we eventually, this movie has rendered me i should not be allowed to operate a motor vehicle anymore like <laughs> i am i'm losing my forklift forklift license because i've seen this movie so many times yeah so the next thing you see is lex luther in the ship steppenwolf who is like the main bad guy in this kind of mm, I, he's I middle management bad guy we'll yeah he's to- yeah he's totally middle management bad guy he's trying to get that corner office in space or hell or both um in apocalypse that's yeah that's what the planet is called and like one of them wakes up and by wake up that's what you know the just wobbles yeah the description they use in in this it's like when a furby knows that you're in the room right and its eyes click open um (laughs) and though and that's i guess supposed to signify to us that that's how his planet knows this is going on yeah, that shot has absolutely no business being there. It makes and it, no fucking sense. It just is like, whoosh, gone. Yep, gone. Then we're in Atlantis. Yep, with Amber Heard. Amber Heard makes her first appearance. And one the box down there opens up, which to I was like, oh, the sound made it down. Is that how sound works? Sure, if you're Superman. <laughs> and then the last one is with the, the Wonder Woman. Yep. And they're guarding it 24 7 that's right? what i wondered so is that what you think happens like there's always a detail surrounding the mother box not on earth right because that was just in the closet but it right, seems right, no, like no. in amazon land in amazon land they've got yeah it's just it's like the palace guard it's right the, they've it's got like the they're guarding the eternal flame it's the the two the two guys is 30 30 people around it all the time and they seem to know Right. That's how the action gets going is like it shakes and cracks, yeah. shakes, rattles and rolls. And what and, you know, one of them's like, alert the queen. Yeah, because they know what's up. And this is how we get out of cutscene land and into the movie proper. I feel like this is where the sort of the action starts. Um, but I do think that so, uh, you, you know, about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, right? Like he beat the shit out of her. And had to oh, her, no. give her $7 million. Yeah, they were either married or common law married for a while, for like five years. And uh, she alleged physical and emotional abuse, and they are separated now. She got $7 million in a settlement and donated it to charity, I think. I might have some of these details wrong. Um, but lots of people on the internet were mad when Amber Heard got cast in the Justice League movie because she was a victim of domestic abuse, I guess. 
What? What? <laughs> <laughs> you know how the incels are. Um, so I wonder if if we if this weren't pandemic times, and people saw this uh, in big groups, I wonder if there would have been like a, a chorus of boos when she showed up on the screen. Hola, I missed all of this completely. I mean, so, it's, not, it's not in the context of the film. This is like real life. Right, 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 right. People I mean, have I seen mi- shit. I mi- yeah, I missed it in like the pop culture world. So are like internet dorks mad because they think she ruined Johnny Depp's career? <laughs> I mean, I guess you would have to ask them individually why they're mad. Um, I can't actually parse it, but yeah, something something like that. Essentially, yes. I mean, have they listened to him talk or seen the <laughs> band that he's in? Like, no, he did not need any help ruining his own career. He has been washed up and irrelevant for a long time. But anyway, yeah, I just want, that's my little Amber Heard uh, side sidebar that I thought I would throw on there. Anyway, yeah, so the movie the movie proper sort of starts once the Amazons face off against it, and uh, oh, the actual battle doesn't happen yet, right? That, that, that comes later. Oh, the, the battle that explains why the mother boxes are on Earth. Mm, no, the first time that battle happens because we get two of those. You'll oh, remember. the when Steppenwolf, you know, it just give him a magic carpet, put him on a magic <laughs> carpet. <laughs> Fuck it one time. Stephen Wolf. Yeah. Um, so God. We, this is as good a place as any to discuss this. Like Darkseid, Steppenwolf, Desaad, Apocalypse. Um, I did my research and all of these things were coined in like 1970 by Jack Kirby, who was like, you know, one of the OG oh, yeah. golden age comic guys. Um, just absolute badass motherfucker, best, uh, you know, best comic book artist maybe of all time, or like certainly in the Pantheon. And in 1970, 69, 70, he was writing, like DC hired him and he wrote these crazy Superman stories. Um, and he was the one who invented all of these. So 50 years ago, a guy came up with some really goofy <laughs> names in some comic books for children and somehow we're still beholden to using things like dark side and like calling the planet apocalypse and calling another guy Desaad. Like this is ludicrous. Like is I, get, a, I, I guess you're a, trying to hew to the, you know, source material or whatever, but you're, this is like a multi-billion dollar intellectual property thing that we're talking about. Why wouldn't you call it something cooler? And isn't apocalypse spelt like, like it's, it's like phonetic, yeah. L-I-P-S. Like L I P S. Yeah. <laughs> How can you not think of like the Rolling Stones logo or something when you read that? It's it's utterly absurd. Why yeah. not come up with cooler names? Why call it the Mother Box? Why call it Dark Side S E I D? Utterly ridiculous. Should have made and the executive decision to retitle all of that shit. Source material will be damned. I definitely saw Dasad play like a punk squat in Germany. They were like a. <laughs> A five piece. They had two singers. Um, Blood but, Brothers but, influence. Yeah. But, but flaps as far as the mm-hmm. eye could see. Um, yeah. I noticed you only have one singer. We have two singers that make us <laughs> twice as good as you. Your last album was really not very good. I like the previous album much more. Let me have seven <laughs> records of each record and three shirts in every size, please. Oh, God. Bring me back. Bring me back. Um, <laughs> we'll get there again post pandemic. I know. Um, when we're doing the full German squat tour. <laughs> eating piles of couscous every night. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it does, there's no battle. You're just like, okay, all around the world, boxes crumble for, <laughs> for Superman. Again, you could have used the friggin' Sugar Ray song. All around the world. There's so many opportunities for music cues here. And what what do they do? 
you've got Junkie XL making just like the most bland, like probably so the fucking be- generic, the best example of, you know, furniture music, right? Like, you know, talked about ambient music it was supposed to be furniture music because it's just mm-hmm. in the room. It's just in the space. And his, but his it, stuff's great. I love I love well executed ambient stuff. This is just shite. This oh well, that's like like the like the best part, right? Is you know, I think music for airports, you know, ultimate album, incredibly good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is a genius. But Junkie XL did the thing that he was trying to do. And his lack of ability made him almost execute on it better because like <laughs> when you, you, you know, I'll listen to music for airports on headphones doing nothing else. Yeah. This soundtrack does just fade into the background of whatever on earth is going on. But so it really does. And nowhere, nowhere is this more apparent than in the very next shot. So after we cut from the Amazonians guarding the mother box, you see Batman in the Alps. And that's when the score really attempts to soar. And so you get these, um, I don't know, Zack Snyder probably thought they were arty or something. Like you get these weird disjointed shots of, uh, I guess he's supposed to be in Iceland. So these weird disjointed shots of treacherous mountain passes and things that we assume Batman is traversing, although he's not in most of the shots. And that's to me, that's really where the score made itself apparent in its failure as a score. It's supposed to elevate this and make it um, epic, but it really is just like, man, this is not up to the job. And there's an, I didn't realize this about the score. So for the theatrical version, right? The Joss Whedon came in to, you know, wrap up. Mm-hmm. Um <sighs> Someone else does the score. I forget who. Maybe it's Zimmer. Yeah, there was there was a change, and then Snyder went back to Junkie XL for. The- yeah, it, but like, it seems like almost out of just like spite. <laughs> just like even <laughs> yes. if, like even if the other score was better, they were just like, no, we're doing like this is this is Zack Snyder's vision, and my vision <laughs> is Junkie XL is doing this. It's going to be bland. <laughs> it is going to be musically gray and translucent but you know no way am i like there's also to some interviewer who's like yeah may- maybe i'll watch the theatrical version that is the equivalent of you know you get let's say you don't even get kicked out of the band because he left right you're like you're in a band and you're like hey guys i've got to leave the band for personal reasons and they're like okay we're up hiring someone else to do vocals or whatever it is. And then you're like, maybe I'll listen to that album one day. <laughs> Just listen to the outlook. What's wrong with you? Like, why are you? And then you're like, I'm going to re-release my own version of that album. That's four hours long. <laughs> Having never listened to the original. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he was You know, Snyder was going to preserve the integrity of his creative vision. Uh, even if the product is demonstrably worse. Oh, t- totally right, and it's yeah. uh, it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. So there's the that's that's to me where the soundtrack really called attention to itself and found itself wanting. So I'm also curious about uh, you know Batman doing the epic uh, mountain crossing. This motherfucker has all kinds of boats and planes and helicopters and same thought, same thought things. each time I've seen it. <laughs> Why is he walking? Also, you assume he's the principal, the C- CEO, owner, president, or whatever of Wayne Industries. You'd think he would need to be around to conduct business or stuff. Maybe he has, you know, liberated himself from all of those kinds of responsibilities. But no, who knows? Like, how long did it take him to fly into Reykjavik or wherever, get a horse, <laughs> rent a horse, the, rent a horse, cross the fucking mountains? And only to find uh, Aquaman. I can't remember his real name. Arthur. Arthur. Arthur Kane from the New York Dolls. Uh, I wish. <laughs> he finds Arthur and Arthur says, no, fuck you and swims away. All, all for naught. Your, your seven day cross country horse journey was for nothing. You 
dumb fuck. Yeah, I mean, the, the one... So I have the same takeaway, right? Where I'm like, Batman is brewing a, a, a you know pot of coffee, a kettle of coffee on like, you know, ambers that are being or embers that are being blown away. Mm-hmm. And he's out there with a horse. Unclear how he got a horse up there. It's just like <laughs> sheer ice. Maybe that's he used all his infinite resources to just drop ship a horse. <laughs> He fucking drone drone delivered. Yeah. There's a giant drone and it delivered a fucking horse to the top of the it's not the Alps, but whatever mountain range. Yes. He's like, I doesn't matter where I am to start my day. I need some coffee from the from the beans that the monkeys shit out mm-hmm. and I kill and eat a horse. That's how <laughs> that's how I start every day. Um, no, but to your point, too, where it's like. I mean, I don't, the, the movie is not trying to make this point whatsoever. And it all, but like you forget that Batman leads a real life or that there's real life for anyone in this version of the movie whatsoever, mm. which is interesting because in Batman versus Superman, they go to great, if not corny, you know, kind of fourth wall breaking pains to let you know the movie does take place in our world right they've got like neil degrasse tyson as neil degrasse tyson oh yeah talking about superman they've got nancy grace yeah right they've got all these like talking heads yep they're letting you know this is taking place in our world you know batman does have to like you know contend with his you know uh hiding his identity and all this other type of stuff you know is a businessman or whatever and this one's just like nope none of that stuff exists anymore and it accidentally lets you know how useless CEOs are because <laughs> right, he's up there. He's up there on the, the ice shelf, you know, drinking coffee, presumably murdering this horse. And Wayne Enterprises is going on just fine, right? Wayne Enterprises is, I'm sure the stock did great that day. He doesn't need to be there. Um, I hope they unionize. In but, fact, if any, if anything, the more he stays away, the more shareholder value increases because he's not spending money on insane gadgets. Yeah, yeah, he's not like funding this this weird whatever. Oh, another thing, and I could have this totally wrong. Lay it on me. But in Batman versus Superman, right? He's talking about his parents, and Arthur's like, you know how they made their money, and he one of the ways in which they made their money was the railroad. Oh yeah. 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 Is that, is that Batman canon? Um, yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that scene was fascinating. Um, they talks about, yeah, that was three generations ago. It was the railroad and it was this and it was that. Yeah. His, his ancestors were robber barons almost certainly. Right. Okay. Cause I was, I just watched the Nolan one and he, you know, his dad's a doctor. Oh, and I was like, is this is this a, a tip of the cap to Ayn Rand again? It has to be. How could it not be? Which again, like I'm probably grasping for stuff that may not be there. No, but Batman's grandfather is Howard Rourke or whatever. You, you, that's I was like, 100%. that's what he's that's what he's trying to do. So who who knows if that's really the case? Um, I right? choose to believe it is. Therefore, I, it's true. I'm all my assumptions are correct. That's how I've operated my entire life. So in my head, canon, yes, Howard Rourke. Yeah. Howard <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. So that we're like, yeah, we're on this ice shelf, and it is one of the one time, like of the maybe three times in this movie, that they do show you that they're like among people. Mm-hmm. But but also like, right? No one speaks. These people are just an audience mm-hmm. to Batman and Aquaman, who's basically just like an affliction T-shirt made flesh. Um, I've spent a lot of time in MMA gyms, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. and I can see so many dudes being like, "Yeah, that guy, that guy's that guy's cool." Because he is cool. Because he sucks. (laughs) No, dude kicks ass. We do need to. We do need to draw a bright line here, though, because uh, part one actually starts. Oh, did um, that start already? Well, no, 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 no. Uh, Part one actually starts as Bruce Wayne walks through the gauntlet of uh, blonde women Mm. and into the uh, I don't know what you call it the the not the bivouac place but like the the Quonset hut. Yeah. 
And that's where you get the first uh, super title. They don't count on a Batman of part one. So we're going to have to stop our recap there. But we can certainly continue to talk about the film and our reactions to it. One, it's a shame they didn't put that Sugar Ray song in there. <laughs> so messed up. All around Release. the world, mother boxes go away. <laughs> Release the Nathaniel cut. <laughs> that has the entirely new soundtrack with just Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray. Oh, that would and be lit. Oh, there's got to be. Where would you put the cy- cyborg enemy? Although my own worst enemy would go in Batman versus Superman in that scene where like he wakes up with some unnamed woman in his bed mm-hmm. and, he, and he like takes a sw- swig of wine and a sleeping pill. Yep. And hilariously, I think it's again in that New York Times interview, Sn- Snyder alludes to that scene. He's like, I want to poke holes in your heroes. <laughs> I'm like. Batman's a single dude with more money than God drinking expensive wine and having a woman over for the night. That's like the most normal behavior possible. <laughs> like, why do you think that this is makes him a fallen man? It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like this, if I if somebody had showed me just if, if I knew nothing else and someone just showed me the first nine minutes of this movie, there's absolutely no way I would continue. I would be uh, confused, frustrated, um, not entertained, not engaged. It doesn't. It didn't make me feel any particular way for any of the characters. I guess I would be vaguely interested in what happens with the Amazons, um, but beyond that, is that like there's there was nothing to hook me in, and I really only. I kept going because I knew there was three hours and fifty one minutes more to get through. Yeah, no, I mean you're 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 totally right, and it's just yeah. Even where it like it ends off, you're like, okay, Batman is walking into some people. Mm-hmm. Okay, like I don't, <laughs> I don't need to know what happens after that. Like, what's yep? Is he going to get a coffee? What's he doing? Like, I is he selling horse meat to these folks? Like, what's <laughs> I'm not going to let it go that he murders that horse. Um, (laughs) It's just like. Also canon. Yeah, it does not bring you in in any way whatsoever. Unless it is. It is absolutely alienating. In fact. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It is. It's 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 repellent, not in a way that it's like disgusting, but it it, but in uh, yeah, you you you. I guess want it to draw you in, but it repels you. It, it does not allow itself to be enjoyed. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't have like the the powers of horror, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. You're not like rubbernecking at it. No, and again, I think this is why it it really succeed or it could only succeed in the way it does, which is you've already said it's kind of like beyond success and failure. Mm-hmm. It's beyond. <laughs> You know, beyond anal- evil, yeah, but not, exactly beyond al- analysis of being good or bad, qualitatively or, or ethically. But if I wasn't already on my couch, I would have been like, nah, <laughs> just like, even if I was in a theater, I'd be like, yeah, I'm probably gonna walk out of this eventually. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm on my couch, is I hate putting a mask on, uh, I guess I'll stay here, like, yeah. you know. So this this is making me wonder. Uh, I'm going to ask a question that we can't possibly answer, but that is we're still worth thinking about. Is me. the is that question? Can Superman outrun the Flash? Can Superman outrun the Flash? Uh, sure, why not? No, the question is this, and this goes back to how we started the show with the goddamn uh, incredibly egotistical disclaimer at the beginning of the sh- at the the top of the movie. Does Zack Snyder feel any obligation to entertain us or is he solely interested in expressing his cre- the integrity of his creative vision? Does he does he see entertaining 
his viewers uh, as an obligation or even as a like sort of a tertiary goal? I think being entertained is the viewer's responsibility. Are you not entertained? Personal responsibility, you say? <laughs> and Where I guess I learn more about this. <laughs> I mean, hilariously, as I, as that was coming out of my mouth, I realized the the Randian linkage. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't even think I intentionally made it that way. But again, it, it it is like that in that it's up to the smart people, right? In in his worldview, in that kind of like Randian worldview, mm-hmm. it's up to smart people to like glean why the the captains of industry are so good. Yeah. Right. It's not up to them to show you why or give you any any insight. Um it's so it's almost like the um the the uh radlib folks on Twitter who say it's not my job to educate you. It's not Zach's job to enter. Oh totally. Yeah. It's just like here's a four hour movie uh and here's my Venmo account. Like right. that's right for the emotional labor that I've done for you. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that, um, the reason that I think you're right is because it gives him up, it gives him, it insulates him. Um, and he can say, well, if you didn't enjoy this, then you didn't get it. You're not smart enough. Uh, you did not, you know, pick up on my creative vision and his and his defenders can do the same thing they can simply say well if you didn't enjoy it, you're too stupid and you didn't you didn't get it well there's even a, uh one of his answers in that new york times article uh the interviewer says basically you know since justice league there have been other dc movies aquaman and shazam mm-hmm. that have gotten more enthusiastic reviews and made more money yes. does that sting for you that your films didn't achieve that and I get it. That's kind of like that last part. Does it sting for you? You know, you're kind of baiting him a little bit. Oh shit. This is actually the, am I provocateur? <laughs> that's a- where he says am- that. Yeah. That's, that's where it's from. But he, you know, he goes on and he says, is my job to make some pop culture piece of candy that you can eat and forget about the next day. Nah, <laughs> I, I would rather redacted can only assume it's fuck you up, mm-hmm. fuck you up in a movie then make it nice and pretty for everybody. Let's be frank. There's no cult of Aquaman. Jason is a force of nature, and by all means, I want there to be 100 Aquaman movies because he's an awesome guy, but it's not controversial. And I have purposely, wow. because I love it, made the movies difficult. But they're Holy just they are just bad. Shit. They're not... It, it's Holy not like... Holy shit. It's not... And if you look at his favorite movies, right, there's another article where he lists his favorite films. Oh, dude, we are going to get so deep on that. It is the ultimate list of, it's either smart, dumb guy movies or dumb, smart guy movies. Oh, and it's the total like edgelord for his, his day. The reason he says he loves a clockwork orange. Mm -hmm. And as a filmmaker to pick a Kubrick film, like what's my, what's my favorite one? A clockwork orange. Right. What what are you doing? Nobody, are, well, that's first of all, that's nobody's favorite Kubrick film. Like what what are you doing? No wonder all your movies look bland and ugly. <laughs> and not that Clockwork Orange is a bland and ugly movie, but like, oh my God. And all he says about it is shockingly unapologetic. Wow. Oh, full yeah, full on edgelord. Yeah, right. And like and it's and what's so funny is like again, this movie wasn't offensive. This movie wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't you know, like, difficult. I mean, it was sort of deliberately op- opaque, but I don't know. That's not that that doesn't. That's not the same as difficult. No, it, it's to hear him. If you were just to read the interview, you'd be like, "Oh my god, this guy made you know a, a DC comic movie that's in like the French New Wave of extremism." Like no, it's, this, it's antichrist dude yeah this is this is like this is this is martyrs this, this is, is this is gasper no way yeah this this is <laughs> this is superman versus batman irreversible too you know like <laughs> please don't ever reference that movie again i, I hate it so much they they'll, they'll you know they fight in a bondage club for the first 45 minutes um <laughs> he really thinks he's done that doesn't he yeah he thinks he's like in your head which is funny because you know the question is like 
your movies didn't, you know, people didn't like him as much, like him as much. They didn't make as much money. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, they're not for everyone. They're, they're edgy. <laughs> and it's like, they're blockbuster super superhero movies. What are you talking about? They're blockbuster superhero mo- uh, movies that failed to do. To, they failed to do the basic thing that people ask of blockbuster superhero movies to entertain and make a shitload of money. Yeah. And it's just like, it's the easy out of, oh, well, you know, no, nobody gets, nobody gets my art. <laughs> and that's one thing. If your art isn't a tent pole for, you know, a major motion yeah. picture, you know, uh, franchise, it's just like, like a weird t- take on the particular thing he's doing. Yeah. And and you could also maybe say that if your previous films weren't, I don't know, Dawn of the Dead, 300, uh, I forget what the other goofy shit that he's made. Sucker Punch. Sucker, oh my God, Sucker Punch. There's a reason I forgot about that one. Um, Sucker Punch, legitimately, like, uh, outsider art, maybe. Like, that. that is just a fucked up movie, and <laughs> I, I would absolutely love to record an episode, like, once we get through all 79 parts of this one um, to talk about Sucker Punch. I haven't watched it since it came out. It's absolutely unhinged and insane. So I would I would love to to break that one down. But, you know, I, I started out this part of the segment saying, I'm going to ask you a question that we can't possibly answer. And Zach himself answered it. He really does think that if you don't get his movies, if you're not entertained by them, if they fail, it's not his fault. It's that the fucking public is too dumb to get it. Which does explain, and again, the movie, I never felt like it was being made with malice, right? Mm -hmm. There are like, you know, for me, like Michael, is it Henneke? I I always botch his name. yeah. Yeah, right? Like, funny games. Funny games to me is the epitome of a movie that's just like, fuck you, audience. Like, Mm -hmm. fuck you for watching this. (laughs) Fuck you for watching movies, period. People are going to vomit in the aisles at Cannes and walk out. And, yeah, you know, that's, you know, however you feel about Hanukkah, he used to be one of my favorite directors. However you feel about him, that was his deal. That was what he was going to do. Totally. Like, I feel like, you know, C- Cache is a similar oh, type of thing. Jesus Christ. Right. I it, nightmares about that one. You know, it, it throws the like the ethical like it basically is just like you are in a ethical state because you're watching this. Right. Mm-hmm. Like fucking. Zack Snyder's not doing that. <laughs> he is he is showing you a video game cut again. There's large parts of this movie that's just two CGI blobs talking to each other about nothing. It's like lava falls from nowhere. <laughs> like, yeah, there there are no flying hot dogs in funny games, guys. Right. <laughs> no 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 airborne meat products that I can remember except for like body parts, yeah. Oh my god. All right. Well, we we asked the question. We answered it. I feel like that's as good a place as any to stop. We will be back with episode three, which will uh, we will start part one, which the name of this one absolutely kills me. Every time I read it, I was like, that can't be right. I cannot have that right. But the name of part one is literally don't count on it, Batman. And the names of the parts almost have nothing to do with what happens in the part. I mean, sure, they're all 45 minutes long, so a lot of shit happens. I would would argue that, like, Change Machine, that's the mother boxes, all the King's Horses, they're trying to revive Superman, blah, blah, blah. Um, But don't count on that, Batman. Just really, like, the other things are, like, idiomatic at least, but this is directly addressing one of the characters. It's all real, it's real bad. It's real weird. I, I said there was a story. Oh, story I had. you wanted to tell, yeah. Uh, so this is only my own brain, but so I had a job. Like right when I graduated from college, I got a job with the census because it was 2010. Mm-hmm. And the guy that they hired to like lead the team of census workers, right? The people that go door to door and ask how many people live in the structure. He was this older guy, completely overwhelmed by the thing. He looked like Wilford Brimley. He kind of sounded like <laughs> Wilford Brimley. Did he have the diabetes? He, <laughs> he had something. 
he was just constantly wringing his hands um, and just worried. And I'm getting like big Frank Grimes energy from this from this description. It was a little more like beleaguered than Frank Grimes. And it was like okay. angry, like, right. Frank Grimes is kind of like kicking back at, at, at the world. Oh, wait, no, he's more Gil then. Totally more like, oh, yeah, he's absolutely, you know, this down on his luck. You, you got to give me the Glengarry leads. Like, why can't you give me the Glengarry leads? You got the new leads. If you were giving that, just hold on. The Glengarry leads, Mitch and Murray told me, are to be assigned only to close. Yeah, hold on a second. If you give me the good leads. Yeah, Shelly, you blew the last good yeah, one. Oh, no, no, no. Hold on a minute, will you, please? You know, hold, like, forgot his umbrella on a rainy day type of guy. <laughs> and he had this team of census workers who just, most of them were like myself, just these people that have just graduated you know, from college or folks that were otherwise generally unemployable <laughs> and they weren't doing a good job at the thing they were supposed to be doing. Right. They'd come back from like eight hour shift and be like, I didn't talk to anyone. I don't know how many people live on this block. Oh God. And he, and he was just stuck with that. And right. He was getting heat from the top that they're like, you know, you're underperforming. We need to do something about this. So this is all the same. Copies for closers only. Yeah. So he's in this stressful environment. And when this guy got stressed out, I was also somehow his like assistant manager. Or, like, I was the assistant something or I was Mr. Manager. I don't know. But like I was next to this guy 90% of the time. Okay. And he would wring his hands together whenever like something stressful was happening, which was constantly. And he'd go, oh, mother bear. Oh, mother bear. <gasps> what? The fuck? He, that was the, the fuck? that was the thing he would say and he'd say it to himself he wouldn't say it to me i would be directly next to him <laughs> i would be like our, our arms would be touching but he would just under his breath which was under his like big bushy white mustache he'd just mutter to himself oh mother bear <laughs> so you can't help but think of that every time you so, hear yes, mother yes that, that's what i'm eventually that's what i'm getting at is every time Sweet, they say mother box fancy moses I have a vision of this like poor guy on his last legs about to get fired from a government job that is otherwise un is impossible to be fired from. Right. Just muttering, oh mother box. Oh mother box. <laughs> Just to me as I'm like, I have a degree in philosophy. I'm like, that's Oh my dear heavens. Um so, yeah. Yeah, I got I can't, yeah, I can't I can't stop that. We should just end right there because yeah. Nothing is ever going to top that story. Did you ever find out what the mother bear referred to? No, I don't feel like I ever could have asked. I felt like it was private between him, <laughs> him, him and, and his him, God, him and his God, which is maybe a huge <laughs> female bear. Now, now, now that I think on it, realistically, um, right? Because uh, I people are like, oh, oh God, oh Jesus, oh mother, and, and he was saying, oh mother bear. So yeah, maybe he was like. <laughs> In some kind of bear. This is in New Hampshire. The likelihood that people were worshiping bears is very high. So, are you sure he wasn't saying "oh, sugar bear" and he was talking about the uh, the 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 titular the the thing from the the sugar crunch the fucking cereal? <laughs> oh, you're talking about honey? Wait, the from Smacks? No, that's the frog. That's the frog. Hang on, I'm looking this up. What is the? What is the is it Honey Crisp? The bear from uh, Honey Crisp? He's got the crunch with punch. I can't get enough super golden crisp. It's got the crunch with punch. Yeah. Golden crisp. That doesn't sound right. That's a kind of apple, isn't it? Yeah, but hang on. Can't get enough of super super sugar crisp. Yeah, Gold, it's called no, sugar crisp. Go it's it's golden crisp. Yeah, it is now, but it used to be called Sugar Crisp. Can't get enough of that Sugar Crisp. And he's wearing a shirt that just says Sugar Bear on it in athletic <laughs> font like it's a hardcore band. Can you just see him like floor punching and stuff? He he is like, man, the Sugar Mike, Bear. It's Mike Judge. The Sugar Bear 7-inch on Rev is super good. <laughs> sugar Bear and Old Smoke. <laughs> all right. I'm going out on a high note. That's it. Uh, all we'll right. Talk soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back at you next week. Something woke the box my people guard. It called out to the dark place, to one of Darkseid's conquerors. The enemy is here. He's here. Where is he? 
could be searching for the other two boxes, hiding until it has all three, until it's ready. We have to be ready. You and the others. Sorry, I'm late. <laughs> 